0: podcast listeners I'm Jill McCormick and I'm Robin Wall and this is Afraid Not podcast
1: This is episode number 60, which is kind of a big deal because 60 is a big number, so Jill and I are excited (laughs) about that. We're thrilled that you are here listening, and we have a great interview today for you with Janet Dance, who is a personal friend, and I'm so excited she's here on the show. She is a wife. She is a mom. She's a ministry partner. She's been following the Lord for her whole life, and she's just um, got some great wisdom to share with us today.
0: And we're going to hear a lot about being a preacher's kid and what that looks like and the things that can come along with that, and marital tips and what that looks like and and things that you can do to strengthen your marriage.
1: Which is timely, considering that yesterday was Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day! Day. (laughs) And listeners, you might have noticed that this is a Monday, and we have two years been using our Fridays every other Friday as our release date but we are now going to have every other Monday be the day for afraid not.
0: So be looking for that in your podcatcher app on Mondays now. So listen in. Hi Janet thanks so much for joining us tonight.
2: I'm excited to be here.
1: I'm excited too. We've been talking about having you come on afraid not since met you about a year ago.
2: Yes, you did. A
1: little over a year ago. We're thrilled that you said yes. We're thrilled that you're here. And would you start us off with telling our listeners a little bit about you, your family, and what you do?
2: Okay, uh, me in a nutshell. (laughs) Yes. I I was born in a pastor's home, so I grew up a PK and went off to college, met my husband there, and thought I was marrying a missionary because I didn't want to marry a pastor. Y'all don't tell anybody. I that. So. Yeah.
0: It's God always has. That yeah, it's our know.
2: little secret. But God always has His own, you know, plans. And anytime we say I'm not going to do, uh, I think we're uh-huh. setting ourselves up. Yeah. Yes. But no, I'm kidding. But anyway, um, so we thought we were going to be foreign missionaries, and um, he became. We were young. He was pastoring a church. And we were just going to do that temporarily till he finished seminary, and then we were going to go. But the Lord had other plans there, too, and we just felt like by the time our kids were preschoolers that we just felt like the Lord was saying, we're going to stay here in the United States and do missions here and um, help. As a pastor, He did a lot of facilitating people to go on mission trips and so we kind of did missions from from here. So anyway, that is me. I am now a, I was a pastor's wife. My husband was senior pastor for 28 years. And then the Lord took us to Lifeway Christian Resources in Nashville, Tennessee, which that's the headquarters there. And he started a department called Um, LifeWay pastors. And when we moved there, had no earthly idea what the Lord had planned for me uh, in all that. I had always, um, you know, was involved in ministry, but we didn't really do ministry together. Um, I always had my separate ministries. Well, the Lord had in mind that we were going to start this marriage ministry. Surprise! Surprise! Yeah, Yeah. it it actually started with um, just an idea that Mark had. He was ministering to pastors, and his primary job was helping pastors with their relationship with the Lord, relationship with their families more than um, other people's job was to help them, you know, grow their church, Bible studies, all that. But Mark's job was just to, you know, help pastors grow spiritually, help them with their families. And so that kind of what got me in there, that little family word. And so we decided to try one night, Doing a pastor date night where the pastors would come, we and I say we. I'm talking about Lifeway Christian Resources. They paid for childcare, they paid for the meal. It was really nice, and we just really uh, felt the Lord move in that. Um, evening. And we walked away thinking, we may have just saved some marriages, Mm -hmm. not we, but the Holy Spirit Mm -hmm. through us may have saved some marriages, which means some ministries. Right. So Mm -hmm. after that first night, we said, yep, this is the direction that the Lord is leading us. So for the next five years, uh, we did an average of 20 marriage events a year. Wow! For ministry so couples, lots of traveling. Wow! Lots of traveling. It was all over North America and Canada was um, our assignment. And
0: you were, but you were housed out of Nashville.
2: Yes, yes. I love Nashville. And it was so a nice. lot of fun. But Still has a heart for Nashville. I, yeah, I want to live there. Okay, Nashville's I'm fun. For
1: Nashville, continue. <laughs> okay.
2: So then, a year ago, the Lord moved us here to Oklahoma. And Mark works for the Oklahoma Baptist, which is the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, it's the Oklahoma part of that. And his job is pastoral development. So still in that help and pastor role. And um, so now our marriage events have kind of evolved. We don't really do much ministry marriage. Now we do marriage things at churches here, primarily in Oklahoma. And uh, we don't know what the Lord will have in the future, because when we got here, the world shut down with COVID. Right. So,
1: Welcome to Oklahoma, yeah,
2: yeah. and it's COVID. Yes, and You're it's right. COVID. So, uh, you know, p- churches were canceling their events and not right. planning events. So we don't really know where the Lord's going to take this, but we have done several here in the state of Oklahoma and so it's just I don't know. It's crazy. We never saw it coming. Mm-hmm. But we've been married for thirty three years. Wow! Celebrate in January. Yep. And um, so anyway, we just
1: tell us. Do you tell have what children? Learned. I yes. I know you did it.
2: Tell us. Your story. <laughs> <laughs> we have two children. Our daughter is married. She's twenty seven, and then we have a twenty four year old son who's still mm-hmm. single. So if you know any godly twenty four year old single girls
1: call Janet. We're taking names.
2: (laughs) And he's real cute.
1: Oh, I've seen pictures. I agree. (laughs) (laughs) And also, Janet is very humble here, but you have been, I would say you're so skilled at adapting... In many ways, in many seasons, you have had all kinds of jobs in oh my the, the weaving in and out of yes. your life, right? Yes. From teacher, right? Yes. So when we first got married, best, different hats you've worn.
2: I was a kindergarten teacher, put Mark through seminary, and then we moved, uh, started a, we planted a church in East Tennessee thought I was going to work and oops, got pregnant. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> Surprise! So I always knew that I would stay home with the kids and we kind of just planned our life. If you're newly wed and you're listening to this and you do want to stay home, start planning your life now so that you will be able to. Um, so what were we, those
1: steps you put in place to do that?
2: We, we did not do credit card debt at all. Um, we bought old vehicles we didn't buy a house that where we we just lived off of one income mm-hmm. and then I did work but that money was either to go into savings or to like if we need extras stuff yeah. that came up but it was never something that we had to have month to month so uh anyway so I, then I stayed home for 16 years mm-hmm. and I'm um, Went back to school, which was kind of a hoot in itself, because I'm not one of those brainy people. But went back and got my master's in dietetics and became Uh a registered dietitian. I was a registered dietitian for eight years.
1: (laughs) You still know so much about all of health and eating well and all of that still, even though that was not...
2: Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, I taught at the university there also in... This was in Arkansas. We were in Tennessee for 10 years, but then we were in Arkansas for 14 years. That's where we pretty much raised the kids. And our kids are still in Arkansas.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So then when um, this God brought this marriage ministry, I knew that I was not going to be able to work a brick-and-mortar job because we traveled so much. Right. And.
1: You can't really ask off every single Friday. No, no. Why? Well, and
2: when we would do the events, often we left on Monday and got back on Friday. So it was, yes, it was a lot of of travel. And so I thought, okay, what can I do that I can set my own schedule? I can, so anyway, I liked houses. So I thought, I'll be a realtor. (laughs) So I've been a realtor, I'm in my third year of real estate now. Wow.
1: I, I just love the diversity of all the skills you have and I just learned a short time ago that not only can she sew but she can sew entire outfits of clothes so she is a full seamstress so I'm just telling you this hat Janet Dance has a lot of tricks. In that. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, so how did you and Mark meet? You met in college. We met in college. We were in a very small school. where. Pretty much everybody knew everybody, maybe not knew everybody, but saw everybody because it was just, there were only like 300 of us on campus. Which school did you go to? Howard Payne University in Texas. And um, he, it's kind of a funny story. You know, my last well, let's hear it. My, my last name is Dance. I'm Janet Dance. He's Mark Dance. Well, this was back in the 80s. And if you're old enough to remember sure. the 80s, <laughs> you um, know that it was cool back then to put your... Name on the back of your t shirt. Mm -hmm. Do y'all remember that? Oh, yes. Oh, yeah. So he had dance on the back of his shirt, and I turned to my friend. I didn't know him. This was my freshman year. And I said, That is, I like to sing, but I'm like, I put sing on the back of my shirt. I thought that was so goofy that he had dance on his shirt. (laughs) So I thought he was a dancer. (laughs) Now it's my name. Anyway.
1: <laughs> well, and didn't he and well, as your relationship unfolded, didn't it look like it was going to end for a while and then there were twists and turns?
2: Yeah, we we dated uh for 3 years. We broke up for 6 months. And I don't know. That was a that was an important time. We both grew a lot during that time. Um but it was also a real hard time because I just really was a hundred percent positive this is who God had me to marry, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden we're breaking up and so <laughs> that was hard, but
1: obviously he came around
2: he did <laughs> he did do you want to know the the story oh, yes. <laughs> so he we, he actually he was older than me, and he was graduating and going off to seminary, and so he wanted me to transfer. And I didn't want to transfer. I wanted to finish at Howard Payne. I wanted to graduate, and so we did a lot of arguing because he wanted to go ahead and get married and transfer. So I finally said, "Okay, I will, I will marry you and transfer." And he panicked and broke up with me. Oh my goodness! <laughs> so he got cold feet. After all of that, when I was like, "Well, I didn't want to to start with." <laughs> I mean, I knew I would marry him. I just wanted to wait another year and graduate <laughs> So I told him, I said, if you show up, you better have a diamond in your hand because we're not playing this game anymore. Right. So he showed up with a diamond in his hand. Oh. And it was funny because he had graduated and there were some new friends that had come to the university. And I came back from Christmas break engaged and they were like, we didn't even know you were dating anybody, and I said, "Well, I wasn't." <laughs> There's a story, so you know I'm dating nobody, and I come back after Christmas engaged. So
1: it's another example that God's timing is perfect,
2: right? It was yeah.
1: not looking like it was going to happen, but it happened. Yeah. It's
2: pretty <laughs> yes. Yes. <great. laughs> <That's laughs> funny. It was much needed.
1: Well, what are some of the things about ministry or passions that you've had in your heart? Just through the years, what are some things you've seen God do in possibly in your own family as a, as a mom or possibly just in ministry opportunities, things that you've been passionate about that you've seen God do?
2: Well, my number one passion would, as far as ministry, would have to be ministry wives. Uh, even as a new pastor's wife at age 21, <laughs> I was already seeking out... Groups of pastors' wives to meet with, to learn from, to you know, just have that support system. I was a pastor's kid and, you know, I joked and said that I said I would never marry a preacher. And the reason I I joke and say that is because I did have a rough time. And my mother, I love my mother. She was a great pastor's wife. She's still they're still married. Dad's 90 uh, and she's a great wife. Mm -hmm. But she was that old school where you cannot have friends in the church. And so oh. I watched my mother very lonely, oh. and I didn't want to be lonely. Basically, right. and she told me when we got married that I needed to not have friends in the church. Now that that was very much taught back then, and pastors were told the same thing: don't have friends in the church. So you could have friends, just they couldn't be in. Your they could church. not be in the church. Yes, that that would showing favoritism. That was mm-hmm. not a good idea. That fortunately has. I think, for the most part, gone away.
1: Let's hope so. What a lonely (laughs) life. Yes, yes. yes. We wouldn't be able to be friends. We wouldn't. Uh, This podcast would not exist.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I kind of bucked that from the beginning, though. And um, I just, I don't know, I guess I bucked the system a little bit. But also, as a preacher's kid, I was teased... And I was excluded from groups. It would be, you know, a group of kids would be talking and I would walk up and they'd be like, Oh, no, 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 Janet's here. Mm -hmm. And they would quit talking about what—or I wouldn't get invited. Yes, preacher's daughter wouldn't get invited to parties and that kind of thing. And I do think that's different now today, too. Even my kids told me they didn't really experience that. But this was back in the early 70s. So, you know, that's a long time ago. (laughs) But anyway, so— After being in the ministry for 15 years or so, the Lord just started putting younger ministry wives in my path and just fell in love with young ministry wives. And the Lord has just developed that ministry over the years and then so much more with our role at Lifeway and now in Oklahoma. So that would be my number one ministry passion, probably. Did you feel like you were kind of
0: in the spotlight too, as a preacher's kid? Like, oh,
2: absolutely, you did was
0: being scrutinized. Absolutely, yeah. Did you feel like that too?
1: I. It always made me wonder how everybody knew my name as a kid, <laughs> and I would have this confused realization that I had no idea who they were, but they all knew my name mm-hmm. and knew things about me, and it was a very strange feeling. So. Mostly, it was a very positive growing up experience for me, being a minister's kid. My dad was a music mm-hmm. minister, and I had a really positive experience overall. There were a couple of times I might have felt a little bit fishbowl of mm-hmm. everyone's looking and watching, and and I had a, a man come up to me one time, I think I was probably 14 and I probably had been talking too much and sending a to a friend. Not you. Family. Robin, no, and not he you. Came up and said, You should be ashamed of yourself. Oh, my. Oh. And I didn't even know who he was. And Aww. so, friends, that's an example of some mm-hmm. time maybe
2: that... They expected thought, more from you. Well, there's the
1: minister's daughter. Yeah. She should be perfect because she's the minister's daughter. Yeah. Well yeah. that's just
0: not the Which way just it seems works. like there's always been that stereotype of, like, either you're mm-hmm. perfect and you don't do anything wrong or you're super or you're rebellious. Yeah. Rebel without a cause. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kid. yeah. yeah.
2: <laughs> I think, you know, and I don't, I... Nowadays, the word bully is such a, you know, a, a, th- a word thrown around a lot. Um, I don't want to say I was bullied. I would say that just people didn't really understand, and I was very sensitive. Mm -hmm. I was shy back then, and so I I think I was just more sensitive to it. Mm -hmm. But what I tell ministry wives now is, yes, they are watching you, but it's because they love you. Ninety nine point nine percent of the time, it's because they love you. Um, it's not that they're trying to be, you know, interfere in your life, or they 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 just want to know you. They want to love you, and it's a compliment. Just even though it might get irritating sometimes, <laughs> take it as a compliment because they they love your husband. Um, hopefully, <laughs> and and they love you. And then with the kids, they just kind of feel like surrogate parents sometimes. Not mm-hmm. in a negative way, even though it may feel negative sometimes. It's they love your kids, you know. Yeah. yeah. So I think most of the time it's a it's a positive thing. But I would say to listeners, um, you know, don't let this make you paranoid or anything. The way you treat your your pastor's wife and their kids. <laughs> But just know that it is hard sometimes that everybody's watching mm-hmm. and they're watching how you parent they're watching you know it's just like yeah, it's it's hard it's hard sometimes, yeah. yeah
1: did that affect your personal walk with the Lord as a young child did you did you feel like your faith was slow in coming, where it was really yours, or how did that affect you
2: it it very much so affected me. Uh, that's a major part of my testimony. When I was six years old was when I felt the Holy Spirit just kind of speaking to my inside and, you know, not with my ears, but I just, I just felt Him um, wooing me to mm-hmm. Himself, you know, and in my child understanding. I knew that I was a sinner, that Jesus had died to take that punishment for my sin, and that I wanted to accept that, and I wanted Him to, in my child faith, to be a part of my life, and I wanted to live for Him. And and so at six, I did um, give my life to the Lord and was baptized. But in those teen years when I wanted to be me, and people... Told me who I was going to be. Mm. I was the preacher's kid, mm-hmm. and so even at school, I was told who I was going to be. And so I rebelled against that. I wanted to be me, and the opposite of what they said I was right. was to be rebellious. And so I did go through some serious years of rebellion. I ran away from home. I did some. I, um, I did some drugs. Never got super heavy. Um, But some stupid things. (laughs) And um, I was a cutter before there was such a thing. Mm. I remember when my daughter was a teenager and somebody said something about cutting and I said, what? What did you say? I didn't even know it was a, was a mm-hmm. thing, wow. but I did that secretly. Now, I, unfortunately, I think some kids do it for attention, but back then, I mean, it was a, my best friends didn't even know right. I did it. It was just completely secret. I mean, I think it's been around for a long time. It's just, like you said, nobody talked nobody about it. Nobody talked that time. about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: And to see now, you can look at that young Janet and you see she was just crying out for someone to just say, You can be you. And yes. Jesus loves you for I just you. Yes,
2: absolutely. And you absolutely. must have been
1: just hurting and not wanting anyone to see
2: on the outside, maybe. Oh, absolutely.
0: So can we talk about that for a minute? Because I think yeah, as absolutely. a counselor, I feel like people have a misunderstanding mm-hmm. of that. And people think, oh, then you must be suicidal or you must be this. People don't tend to understand what that is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I kind of dealt with it a little bit myself as a youth. And I've never even really said this out loud. Not so much with cutting, but like with... You know, just like scratching and things. Yeah. But it's yeah. kind of an anxious type behavior.
2: Now, you're the counselor. I'm not a counselor, but I did do some reading on it when my daughter was a teenager. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's different for different people. I don't know that you could say I was suicidal. Let's just say I was really stupid. Yeah, no, like, I, don't I would think take. That it is. I would take pills that I didn't even know what they were. Mm-hmm. And didn't care what they did to me. Mm. So I don't think mm. I was like trying to kill myself. It was more like I was just so unhappy. I didn't even, I just, I don't know what I, I, I honestly don't know. Kind of like a passive suicide. Like if it happens, it happens. If that happens, but it, it happens. Trying. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And then the the cutting was, I don't know. I think it was just a self-hate thing. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just was so miserable. I didn't want to be me. I didn't want to live there. I didn't want to, I just wanted to, is Gape, and so mm-hmm. I just harmed myself, I guess.
0: Yeah. Well, and people don't understand that there. for some people there is a release
2: when they do that. Yeah, I don't remember that. It was a very long time ago. Okay. I don't remember. Yeah.
1: What helped you to come out of that darkness in that hard time?
2: You know, it was completely the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. I... Um, now, my parents, so if you're a parent right now and you have a, a rebellious child that you know is a Christian, just know that the Holy Spirit is speaking even though they're not admitting it, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is working on them because we they hear that, they it? belong right. to Him. And mm-hmm. even though I was trying to convince myself and would have told you that I believed differently, I knew in my heart what truth was because I had the Holy Spirit in me. So just know that even though your kids may be saying one thing— mm-hmm. If they have the Holy Spirit in them, the Holy Spirit is speaking truth to them. Mm -hmm. So for me, my parents, the thing that they did right, I'm going to say, is that they never let me stop going to church that was never an option. I had to go to church. And by going to church meant I had to hear the Word of God, and I had to hear the Holy Spirit. I could not escape from it. And so even though this lasted about three years, eventually the Lord had to bring me—He broke me until I was so unhappy— uh, he took my best friend away. A boy broke my heart. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of one of those that may not seem like a big deal as an adult, but as a oh, no, oh, it was is. a huge, huge thing deal. as oh, for yeah. a teenager Absolutely. and so I just he i heard him calling me. I heard him I heard him, I heard him, and I finally just broke and said, "Okay, okay mm-hmm. i'm done fighting <laughs> mm-hmm. and i I can I can remember it was like, like it was today. Um, I was at, we were at youth camp and it just, it just like all of a sudden hit me what life was about and it was not about me. It was about living for him and that was where my joy was going to come from. That's where my purpose was kind of, I'm the kind of person, my husband laughs at me, even my hobbies have to have purpose. So I'm just one of those purpose people. Like I will garden because it makes food. You know, you mentioned that I was sewed. I sewed because it makes clothes or curtains or something. So I had to have a purpose. And I learned the Holy Spirit just you know, taught me in that moment that He was my purpose. Mm-hmm. And ah, the peace that came over me. So this was one evening. The next morning, a boy made me mad, and I cussed him out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this was the morning after I, like, gave myself back to the Lord. And I that was an, I think the Lord exaggerated in my life. I had the worst day. It was awful. I was miserable. So I went to the youth pastor and I said, I don't understand. I gave myself, you know, my life back to the Lord yesterday. And today was the worst day of my life, you know. And I learned, and he explained to me how that we sin every day. And that sin, what he said is, he said, sin is like a brick. And if we don't confess it. And if we don't get right with God, eventually that brick builds such a wall, you know, and he said, you've got to deal with your sin as it comes. And I was like, oh, well, that makes sense. And I started learning what it meant to walk with God, what it meant to pray and to confess and to study the Bible for myself and, you know, all those kind of things. And so that, the relationship through Uh, Bible study, prayer, that kind of thing is really what changed me. Mm -hmm. And I remember a boy um, in one of my classes, this was much later after I had turned my life around. And he said, you're just a goody-goody. And I said, I like myself that way. <laughs> so I was very proud at that point because I wasn't a goody-goody because people were telling me I was. Right. Even though people were, st- I was still a preacher's kid. I was still hearing it. I was walking with the Lord and I had that personal relationship and I loved Him. Mm-hmm. And I lived my life for Him. And that was okay. You, can, you can. It was your decision. It was my decision, and it was my love relationship with the Lord that made me want to be good, not you telling me I have to be that way because of what my daddy does. Right.
1: Exactly. If that
2: makes sense. Absolutely.
1: Oh, it's just a gem of a beautiful example of God's work. I love your story so much. And I can only imagine how many people are listening thinking, I didn't know anyone else felt like that. And maybe they feel the same way. But it's so powerful. It's so powerful. hmm Wow. So I was wondering if you had to pick some maybe top wise advice things that you and Mark have over the years learned that it's very, very helpful for marriages mm-hmm. if you will put these steps into practice. Even if marriages are coming into this in terrible shape and they're really hurting. What are some of those wise tips that our listeners can take from this? And especially since this is airing right around Valentine's Day on purpose, (laughs) (laughs) we would like to just help say, Hey, your marriage matters. And here are some helpful words of wisdom that we can impart. And so I'd love to hear some of those things.
2: I would say first and foremost, And it's simple. Never stop dating. Even when you've got screaming kids at home and you're breastfeeding and you think, how in the world? Right. Find a way. Just because it's a challenging time, Mm -hmm. don't let that stop you. It may not be as frequent. It may not look the same. But find a way. Make it happen to where you have a time To focus just on each other without the kids. What we tell at our conferences or when we speak on marriage, we try to connect every single day. Now, being together and connecting are two different things. Yes. (laughs) So connect somehow every single day. At least—and again— None of this is perfection. I mean, there's always going to be somebody's out of town or somebody's... But even still, like a phone call. Yeah. Well, now, back then, it was a lot harder because it was expensive. But yeah, now it's so much easier with texting and emailing and free phone calls with a cell phone. But yeah, try to connect every day, at least, you know, for a few minutes, if not longer. Then try to date weekly. And I say again, don't beat yourself up if you're in a season of life where that's not possible. But a date for us might have been going to Walmart together. Yeah. Because I needed to go to Walmart, so he went with me. So that might have been a date because that was all we could do at that point. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, We have done a lot of cheap dates. Going for a walk can be a date if you don't have the kids with you. So just trying to... Try to, and I am i don't want to say, you know, if you can date, don't say we went on a walk and that was our date and use that as, uh, well, Janet said that was good enough. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying don't let anything be an excuse. So if there
0: are younger parents that don't have family around them to watch their kids, what would you suggest? I
2: did not. My, our grandparents, my kids' grandparents were 20 hours away. So we found loving, a loving couple in our church who were Mammon Papal. That's what they wanted to be called. And our kids <laughs> called them Mammon and Papal and they would babysit for free for us. And yes, we were the pastor and the pastor's wife, but I think I don't think I know that if that is a need, the Lord will provide that. If you don't have right. family near, just start praying that the Lord will provide somebody like that. Another thing we did was friends that had kids our kids' age, you watch them this week for free mm-hmm. and we'll watch your kids next week for free. Yes. You know, because childcare is expensive. And mm-hmm. and so we did a lot of that. And then we did pay a babysitter sometimes. And it was kind of funny. I would say, Mark, you know, I was the budget keeper. Mark was the spender, (laughs) or should I say, still is. (laughs) Now we have very much balanced each other out um, at 33 years. But I would say, Mark, I don't know that we can afford that. And he would say, it's cheaper than a divorce lawyer. (laughs) So I don't know about we should use that line all the time, but just find a way. It can you can be free. It can be free. Um, So connect daily. Try to date weekly. Uh, and then try to get away at least once a year, get away out of town for more than a few hours, which would be a date. And I know I talk about money a lot when I 'm talking about this, but we were we were pretty poor when our kids were little mm-hmm. we so like one time we set up a tent in a campground, it was fourteen dollars to set up a tent. Oh. I took the food from home, you know, and that was our getaway. It cost fourteen dollars, and it was food we were going to eat anyway. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We just hung out and went for walks. It was at a state park, and so you know, just finding things. One time we did we did a timeshare thing so that we could Uh have the free hotel. Oh yeah, you can get
1: some good deals. Yes,
2: yes. So I don't know, be creative and find something to at least get away for more than a few hours together. So date, never stop dating. The other thing, the other biggie would be to not, I don't know. I don't know, really know how to put this into words other than, let me tell you what I told my daughter when she got married, because, uh, you know, when she first got married, they had their first bump in the road, and everybody's going to have a bump mm-hmm. in the road. And I right. I said, uh, Holly, every marriage has problems. Now you know what yours is. You know, I mean, because, yeah. it, or I shouldn't say problem, challenges. Sure. Every marriage is going to have challenges. Now you know what yours is. <laughs> and, uh, but anyway, I she said, but you and dad, you know, y'all just seem, and I said, well, for one thing, we've been married 30 years. Secondly, the reason your dad and I have such a good marriage is because we fought our way here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We, literally. Yeah. We, yeah. we didn't let things slide. And I'm not saying be nitpicky, but if there was something that was a problem, we fought it out until it was not a problem anymore. Mm-hmm. And then we grew from it and moved on. Um, so I, you know, we've seen in couples where they're just they won't say anything, mm-hmm. or they'll have an argument about it and then just, you know, move on. That issue never got resolved. It's, it's still underneath. It's underneath. It's going to fester. It's coming back up at some point, but yeah. it's going to be uglier when it comes up the second time. And so, just you know, just. Fight for a good marriage, I should say, even if it means fighting with each other. You fight for like a good specific marriage. Specific rules for fighting? Oh goodness gracious, we have met. We, we have read so many marriage books <laughs> <laughs> over the years, and I know there are rules. Um, you know things like, goodness gracious, we broke every one of them. I'm gonna be honest well, with you. Well, I mean, yes, I, I mean everybody does. <laughs> like you're not supposed to be sarcastic. Well, that was, what, you know, and. Here, okay. So here's probably the biggest one for us was never use the word never. That was our big one because I was Same bad here. about that.
0: I would say never, or always, and and always. Yeah, never my head was like I immediately all, shut if down. They're mm-hmm. in the
1: positive. We allow never and always. Like oh, uh-huh, right, right, right. I'll never. Leave. But
2: you never or you Are always. always yeah. Absolutely, those all were biggies. Yes. So sarcasm, never and always. Those were our big um, no name rules. calling, no like cheap shots. No, I mean we didn't. We didn't have that issue. Right. But yeah, that would be a good rule. Right. That would be a good rule.
1: One thing Chris and I have had is the vault, and once we have forgiven each other for whatever the thing is. We say, let's put it in the vault, and then we promised we're never going to bring it up again. Mm -hmm. It never comes out of the vault again. And there was one time that I started to bring something up (laughs) Uh that I had already forgiven him for. And he said, oh, you put that in the vault.
2: (laughs) 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 Can't bring it back out. It worked. It worked in that moment. When you've settled it. Yeah, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So those are my two biggies. Don't stop dating and then fight for a good marriage. Don't don't settle. Don't settle. I love it. Yeah.
1: And good marriages aren't going to
2: happen by No. Accident. Oh, my goodness. No. They're going to happen on purpose. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. I, I heard just recently, I think it was on Facebook, I, I read it where somebody posted and said, uh, marriage is hard. Divorce is hard. Choose your hard. Ooh, mm, that's best. good. Yeah. I like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm writing that glow down.
2: That's a a tweeter. (laughs) It is.
1: So Janet, have you and Mark given people advice that it's very wise to seek counseling if they need more than just to go on a date? If they're at a, a point in their marriage that it's at a crisis point?
2: Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And don't don't wait until it's a last resort. As a pastor, Mark would say, usually they come to see me when they've already right. decided on divorce and this is their last resort. Don't wait for it to be a last resort. You know, see a counselor early on when at first we said this is this is a bigger problem than what we thought. Go seek help and read books together. Talk about, you know, the chapters. Mm -hmm. Um, Yes, absolutely. Absolutely.
1: And, you know, it makes sense that if we have a physical problem, we go to the doctor for it. Mm -hmm. Much more likely. If we have something wrong with our eyes, we go to an eye doctor. Mm -hmm. If we have something wrong with our knee, we go get it looked at. We possibly Mm -hmm. even have knee surgery. So it's so logical to think if we have an issue between our relationship, we should go. And see what can be done to improve it. Yeah. It's just the wisdom of take care of the things that are precious to us. Take care of our marriage because it's precious. Yeah. And absolutely. I think that's
0: why it's important to you to have community, like a group of other couples that we can be real with.
2: Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
0: Because if we pretend
1: everything's fine with everybody when we really need help, then we're really not being truly in community.
0: Mm-hmm. Not saying put it on
1: Facebook for the whole world to see. Right, no, no.
0: no. Right. But if you have those couples that you trust with everything, that's important to me, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm
1: -hmm. So what are some of the stories that you and Mark have walked away from conferences saying, oh, wow, God is good. I can't believe he let us be a part of that. Maybe that he let you see... Good things happen between couples or maybe times that you got to see a move among a church or something that you just said, wow, we didn't do that. God did that. <laughs> I'm sure there have been a lot of really sweet moments.
2: Yeah. One in particular, the way we did our ministry couple date nights is after the meal and, and all that, we would do a Q&A time through Google Voice texting. Mm-hmm. So it was anonymous. So anybody could ask any question and we wouldn't know who asked the question. And so there were some brave questions. We got a lot of brave questions. <laughs> but one night in particular, I got the question and it said in your honest opinion and honest was in all caps. In your honest opinion, what would you say to your pastor husband who has been counseling a woman but alone? For several months now, and now she is texting him at home. So I said, I said, okay, you want my honest opinion? Here's my honest opinion. I said, I would be mad as heck. I would fight him over it, and I'm going to let Mark tell you why. And I passed the microphone to him, (laughs) and he, you know, proceeded to talk to the pastors about counseling women privately and how that it's even unbiblical, that the Bible teaches that older women are to counsel women, men are to counsel men, and that uh, these pastors should be equipping women in their church to counsel these women and not be doing it themselves, especially by themselves. And okay. he, would, he would let them—he would do it one time, As long as either I was there or his assistant was there, uh, and one time only. Because there just can be those emotional connections that can take place. Well, anyway, after it was over, this lady came up to me and she said, I'm the one that texted in that question. And she said, we've really been fighting about this. And he just kept telling me, no, it's not a problem. This is my job. And that he turned around to her, because we were at round tables, and that he turned around and he said, you're right. Oh, that's really good. <laughs> yeah, and, and that was just like, yes. that could have gotten really yeah, ugly. it could have. Gotten really ugly.
1: You know, Satan would have loved to have put seeds of um, an emotional affair. That would have turned mm-hmm. into a physical affair, that would have turned into a divorce, that would have turned into a lost ministry, would have turned into It affects a the whole
2: church. Of, it affects the community. The community. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the years, even in previous uh, years before, you know, people that would have been in that pastor's ministry when they were younger, it would even cause them to doubt what you taught me.
2: Yeah. Yes. How can
1: I believe what you taught me when I was fifteen? If you did this now and I'm Mm thirty, what does that mean? You
2: know. Yeah, yeah.
1: So Satan wants to take down our marriages.
2: He does. Yes. And And then the ripple effect of everything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not just pastors. You know, that was a pastor, but it could be be anybody. It could be a Bible study teacher. Mm -hmm. It could be any Christian. It could be a Christian who is influential in their workplace. Right. For Satan to take them down. Yeah. It has a exactly. ripple effect. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like one thing I need to say right now, maybe some listener needs to hear this. Maybe you're really, really struggling with your spouse and you're even starting to think of your spouse as your enemy. I just want to remind you, you do have an enemy and it is mm-hmm. not your spouse. Absolutely, Your enemy is Satan. And if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, you have... In you, the Holy Spirit, who has defeated Satan, and your spouse is not the enemy. Satan wants you to think he is,
0: mm-hmm. but your spouse is not the
2: enemy. Absolutely.
0: Yeah. And when you have a purpose, which every believer does, mm-hmm. the enemy is going to come after you hard.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And the stronger you get in your marriage, I think the more he's going to come after it. So don't be surprised. Yeah. yeah. It's coming.
1: In our treasure, the treasure we've been given of our relationship with our mm-hmm. spouse, we should treat it as we would treat something that is rare and precious and breakable and treat it with such utmost where we'll you know, keep it out of reach from anyone damaging it or it getting mm-hmm. broken or shaken or hurt or stolen. It's, got, it's so precious that it must be treated with that that care
2: yeah and if you do that through the years when you get to be married 33 years and your empty nest it's just so sweet you've got the maturity to where some of the things you thought, thought thought were so important and fought about in your 20s and 30s so you just look back and you go that just really wasn't a big deal because you've got the years of maturity you've got the years of your relationship growth you've got spiritual maturity and it's just so sweet. I just want to say what Robin said about treat it so precious mm-hmm. and just work on it, continue, don't settle and then someday <laughs> it's just you're going to be able to just go wow. Yeah. It was so worth all of the the time the whatever you had to go through mm-hmm. whether it was counseling or whether it was just Making those sacrifices financially, whatever it is, it's gonna, it's just, it's worth it. It's so sweet when you get way down the road. And I can't wait till that, like with my parents who've been married 65 years, and to be able just mm-hmm. to, you know, it's even sweeter for them.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's a, that's a precious picture of love. Mm-hmm. It is. So,
1: and a beautiful note to end on today and we just
0: can't thank you enough. So what are some of your favorite resources? Like marital resources or pastoral resources?
2: Well, they're old. Mhm. But they have stood the but test. They stood the t- <laughs> yes, and they're still true. I would say if you're the very first book you ever read, His Needs Her Needs. Oh, good one. And if you don't read it, <laughs> Let me just say his number one need is respect mm-hmm. Just you know if you can if you can remember that if you're not gonna read it, but do read it um, and what would it be for her? Hers is love and security mm-hmm. and and not that he doesn't need love and security, but his number one need is respect ours is love and so uh, my second resource that I recommend is the five love languages, oh yeah. And that one actually transformed our marriage after, like, maybe I don't even know, 20 years or 15 years. I don't remember how far, (laughs) how long it was. But after we read that book, so much made sense. It was just Mm -hmm. crazy how much made sense after we read that book. And it's just, in short, uh, it's like five different ways of. Pe- the way people communicate love. And and sometimes they may be communicating love and we don't even realize it because we're not hearing it because we don't speak that language. Or we may be saying, we think we're saying, I love you, and we don't understand why they don't feel loved. Mm-hmm. We're not speaking their language. Right. And so both of you reading it and then you both understand each other. And, oh, my goodness, that one really transformed our—
1: What were your main love languages for you and for Mark?
2: Mark is physical touch, and that's a non-sexual touch. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, sex is a part of, of touch, but for, for what we're talking about, it's just that non-sexual touch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then mine is quality time. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter what we're doing as long as we're together and Mm -hmm. he's not texting and (laughs) and he's engaged you know it doesn't really matter like i i guess that may have come out when i said our date was walmart (laughs) (laughs) it doesn't matter as long as we're together and we're engaged you know with each other so that that's mine yeah oh
1: those are both excellent books i agree with you
0: Well, thank you so much for giving us those resources and for joining us tonight and giving us all of these good nuggets of wisdom.
2: Well, thank you for having me. Hopefully it will help somebody.
0: It definitely will. In fact, it's just been a blessing to me. So thank you so much. And
1: we are so thankful you came.
0: We just really appreciate Janet coming and giving us all that wisdom today. Um, I just want to re- reiterate to our listeners that you if you are a believer in Jesus, you are a threat to the enemy. You are a target of the enemy because you are a threat to the enemy. So when you feel like you're being targeted, just remember that is because you are a threat to the enemy and just keep moving.
1: It's a good word. And also one of my favorite quotes from this conversation today is this: "Marriage is hard. divorce is hard. Choose your heart. So it's not going to be some unicorns and rainbows easy Mm path, and you know, that's alright. And actually, anything worth having is hard. So a great marriage is not going to happen by accident, and we just want to be your cheerleaders today saying, get in there and do the hard work. Don't settle for a marriage that isn't fulfilled, And, and together work for a joyful, happy marriage. So we are really thankful that Janet was here. We hope you loved this episode. Share it with a friend. And we encourage you to check out the resources that Janet mentioned, those fantastic books, His Needs, Her Needs, and the five love languages. And we'll see you in two weeks in your earbuds, everybody.
0: On a Monday. Bye. (laughs)